Welcome to the Unveiling Grace podcast, a place to experience a grace that heals. Allow this grace to take your life and your relationships to another level as it frees you from the weight of performance-based religion. Enjoy another episode as Joel Groh and Lynn Wilder share encouraging stories and candid dialogue that can help you experience a grace that heals. Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. I'm Lynn Wilder. And I'm Joel Grote, and this is part two with Pastor Rich, who is a pastor in Utah. Um, Pastor Rich's story is really fascinating because he kind of jumped into Utah with his wife. And did you have kids at the time? How big was your family? I know you said it was about seven years ago. Yep, we had two kids at the time. Okay. Um, but knew, didn't know a lot about Mormonism and came there to just start a ministry and outreach, a Bible study. And so he decided to learn Mormonism from Mormon people. Wow. What an idea, right? <laughs> I love best, it. Best way to do it. Uh, but one of the things that he found was as he talked with Mormon people and he asked them, hey, what do you see as the differences between historic biblical Christianity, non-Mormon Christianity? And your Mormon faith, what are those things you see as distinctives? And uh, last episode, he identified four that came up with fair amount of frequency. And we wanted to unpack those this time. But I know Lynn wanted to jump in because it was something else that we learned about Rich before. (laughs) Oh, I just said, Joel, don't forget to say that um, Rich is a patriot and served in Iraq and that he was military intelligence. And so I found that I just found that interesting. Um, he's a very personable pastor, and um, I love the churches that just stick to the word and are so good at teaching the word. Um, so for me, and, it was helpful to get into Bible studies even before I found a church because my head wasn't straight enough to even make a good choice about a church, yeah. but. Certainly, there are some wonderful churches that are pretty much Bible studies themselves, right, yep. that are always in the Word every week. I went to a large church in, in Utah one Sunday, and 45-minute sermon, one scripture. That's not always helpful for Mormons, because then it takes re- a really long time to figure out what about Mormonism wasn't true, and then what about Christianity is true. And so, at least for me, being former Mormon, I think it's really helpful to sort those kind of doctrinal issues, because you have to rethink things and reorder your whole value system based yeah. on the God of the Bible. And that that does take some time. And I think the quicker you can do that, the more solidly you feel on your on your feet and the better your relationship is with the the Lord Jesus and the more you learn to trust him. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask Rich right away, what is the name of your church and where is it so that we get that and we'll put that in the show notes. But I don't even know that if we asked that last time. So (laughs) tell us a little (laughs) bit about your church and then we're going to jump into some of those doctrinal comparison things. Yeah, yeah, sure. Our, our church is the Mission Church, and we're in South Jordan, Utah. We're a suburb of Salt Lake City, so just, just south of the city there. Okay. And then how, if so, if somebody would come to visit, are, are you even open now? We should probably ask that question. How are you doing church and ministry in the midst of our COVID pandemic? 
Yeah, we, we've been open. Uh, we, we, like many churches, took a short break during the initial uh, 15 days to slow the spread. <laughs> it's been a while now. Yeah. And so we, we opened back up and uh, found ways to accommodate uh, the kind of needs that are unique in this year. But we've been uh, we've been pretty much open uh, this whole time. And uh, the Lord's been blessing ministry. We've been meeting lots of people as the LDS church has been either totally shut down or shut down in, in parts. And we have to go in, uh, um, in smaller groups and things like that. We've been meeting a yeah. lot of new people. So it's been, it's been a good year for us. Yeah, it has been from our ministry perspective, where we hear from, you know, people transitioning out of Mormonism pretty much worldwide, not going to a Mormon church for a year really impacted people. Some of them started looking at sermons on YouTube from Christian pastors. Some of them started looking at church history (laughs) issues, things that they just didn't have time to address before, or they were so kind of enmeshed in the culture because they were seeing people several times a week that it has really opened a whole door for a lot of folks. So it's amazing to me how... Uh, things that I would have thought in Mormonism were bad, like COVID, right? We as Christians see God's hand in it. And yes, and that God can bring something good from bad. That was not something that I was taught in Mormonism, not something I understood. The Book of Mormon is prosperity gospel. It says those who live the commandments are blessed, both temporally and spiritually. So I always thought if something went wrong in my life, I had done something spiritually that displeased Heavenly Father, right? But something like COVID ends up a huge blessing in a lot of ways. And it's a much better way to see the world. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There's so much hope in that verse that says that he is able to work everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so while God's never the author of evil, he can certainly take even the bad, the harmful, the broken fallenness of the world. And he can use that in our lives and ministries and circumstances. Mm. And a lot of it's just, are we willing to see it and trust his character to make that happen? So So when you have one God teaching that and one God teaching the opposite, you know, the more of those conundrums I ran up against when I was reading the word, the more I... I got this yeah. idea that, wow, this, this is not the same gospel, right? So Rich used to go to Temple Square and talk to Mormons to try to figure out what they saw as big differences between biblical faith and Mormonism. And he has named some of these. Which one do you want to start with, Pastor Rich? Yeah, so give us give us the top four again, just for this episode. And then, yeah, pick your favorite to address, and we'll see how many of these we can work through. Absolutely. And again, I, I, I not only found it very fruitful for myself, but I highly recommend for a person who's wanting to know how to engage with a Mormon neighbor, friend, coworker, family member, uh, without it being an attack on, on their, their doctrines or their views. Uh, just ask, what do you think is the biggest difference between your faith, what you believe, and, and what my faith teaches? And it lets the other person set the stage for the conversation. I yeah. had thought, uh, as probably many Christians who moved to Utah from outside thought, uh, that the big issues would be men becoming gods, um, uh, Joseph Smith's polygamy, polygamy yeah. um, um, something about the, the, the prophets and the leadership structures, those types of things. That was not what the yeah. average Mormon on the street thought was such a big deal. So I think I'll begin with the one that was the most surprising to me that I got to deal with right out of the gate. And that was the doctrine of the Trinity. 
uh, a significant number of people, maybe a quarter of the people who would answer okay. that question. When I'd say, what do you think is the biggest difference between uh, Mormonism and non-Mormon Christianity? I'd say it like that. Uh, they'd say, well, the Trinity, you guys, don't you have a weird view? Three gods, one God, kind of that doesn't make any sense. How does that work? And so that's the first thing that um, I, I realized I kind of needed to tackle with people because even a lot of Christians don't know a very helpful way to summarize an answer to that. Right. Exactly. And that's what I find with Christians, right? They can't articulate some of those basics of their own faith. And so then it makes them afraid to engage. So one of the things we do in our workshops in how to witness to Mormons is make Christians pair up and practice some of those things. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the things we have them practice the nature of God, because that is a basic in Christian faith, right? Is who yeah, is yeah. God? And who's Jesus and who's the Holy Ghost and how does that work? So regarding the doctrine of the Trinity, and I'm sorry if you're overhearing a bit of background noise. I'm in a little bit of a busy place here. Um, but uh, I found that the big issue with the doctrine of the Trinity uh, was that many Mormons didn't understand that we do see a difference between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Most Mormons assume when we talk about the Trinity, we're... we're uh, holding to what might be called modalism, a modalistic view. Uh, without oh, yeah. knowing all the doctrinal distinctives, all that, that means is uh, a Mormon might say, how do you believe the Trinity? When Jesus was getting baptized and he hears a voice from heaven saying, this is right. my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Is he throwing his voice like a uh, ventriloquist? Like, is he up there and down here at the same time? And that, yeah. that helped me understand their issue is not about all the finer details of the Trinity, which is wonderful to walk through. But that particular issue was that they thought we think Jesus is the father and that's not what Christians believe. And so right. just to help clarify, even that point was hugely helpful in conversation to let yeah. people know we don't think the father died on the cross. We don't think that the son was speaking from heaven at that point. And so helping them understand that clarified a lot for a significant majority of our conversation. And yeah. yes, there are places in the Book of Mormon that look like the Trinity is modalism, right? That God yeah. morphed into the Son, who, you know, and so right. all of that is very confusing for Mormons. Sometimes when they're really upset about that right at first and they haven't been in the Word enough to kind of be able to see the whole picture, I'll just say to them, it's not so different. It's, you know, it's not anything to get upset about at this point. It's really not so different than what you thought. There really are three. Um, th and then I'll tell them two main differences are that the Trinitarian God of the Bible is co-eternal, which means all three of those have always existed from eternity past, always will into eternity future in a relationship where they have different roles, but equal roles, right? So yes. co-eternity and co-equal co and co-eternal, and both of those are different in Mormonism. So just kind of focusing on those two. A lot of times we'll get into the finer things later, but um, yeah. I just don't want that to be something that really upsets them because they feel like they've known a God all these years, right? Exactly. And yeah. I actually, I've, I've found it that um, 
the issue seems to me, uh, again, more with the Father and the Son than with the Holy Spirit. And perhaps in yes. part because mm-hmm. in Mormonism, they don't know what to do with the Spirit. How is the Spirit <laughs> considered God and a force, but he never had a body? And how does exactly. that work? And so there's mystery in Mormonism regarding the Spirit. So that's not typically where the problem lies. And so just to help coach a person to don't trust some random guy on the street or some preacher from a stage, mm-hmm. let's look at John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, which right. tell us that the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And yes, there is mystery there, but it couldn't be more clearly explained that Jesus is both God and with God at the same time. Right. And so just try to convey, this is what Christians have helped to since the beginning. Yeah. And for anybody who is maybe transitioning LDS or even an LDS listener on our website, we have just an, in an outline form, a very extensive topical study on what the Bible teaches about the different persons of the Godhead and how these are understood. And so if, you're all, if all you're wanting is simply a biblical perspective and it's non-denominational, it's put together by Dr. Rob Bowman, who's done extensive study and writing on the nature of God and the character of God in the Trinity. Um, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. It's a great way if, all, if you just want to limit yourself to what scripture is saying, um, on this triune nature of God and kind of how that works from a Christian perspective. That's just a tool um, that we can we can throw in there to help people because it's a very complex subject. And we weren't expecting Pastor Rich to um, address <laughs> or resolve all that in this episode. So the yeah, Trinity- For the record, it's, it's great for Christians to really know how to talk about that. And I actually find it helpful to say that uh, while it's, no one can comprehend the, the attributes of God. No one can comprehend, like they wrap their arms all the way around the doctrine of the Trinity. All of us can apprehend it. We can understand yes. the, the statements well enough to explain those, even if there's mystery as to how it all works out in the end. Uh, but it's, yeah. it'd be good for Christians to know at the very least what the doctrine of the Trinity is and where the rub I think is with most more. Yeah, absolutely. So that was number one in your list. So what's number two of the things you ran into where Mormons said, wow, this is, I see this as a really significant difference uh, between the two faiths. Uh, number two would be something like authority or prophecy. That's number two or three typically. So uh, they, they might ask something like, well, you believe we don't need prophets like we had all throughout the Bible, or you don't believe that you need someone with authority to baptize somebody else. That, that, that's how somebody on the street might say that to me. And they're trying to be very kind and generous about that. Right. But I had to deal with authority very early on. And it's not the type of topic that Christians talk about very often. So it's a we good amount don't know. And so, Lynn, I want to ask you, in your topical biblical guide, is this something that you address? Do you have something there? And we're going to link to this topical guide that's on the on your website or on the Adams Road website. We'll make sure there's a link to that in the show notes for people. Priesthood, certainly, um, yes. we address, right? Because that's where Mormons go, is the whole priesthood thing. That right. That's where the authority the whole is. Leadership authority, Yeah. So go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies first. Well, I I only had one comment back on the Trinity. I just think it's so important with Mormons uh, when you're talking about differences to positively present the biblical point of view, right? So one of the things I do when we're talking about the nature of God is tell why this is a bigger God, the argument for why this would be a bigger God and why this would be the kind of God that you might wanna follow after, 
right? So the God yes. I knew in Mormonism was a man. He literally, even after this life and after he became a God, he had to eat, he had to sleep. He was confined by a physical body. He couldn't be omnipresent. You know, I, I like to walk them through the logic of all that. And then um, how that's different for the Trinitarian God and God the Father being the spirit and being able to be all places, knowing all things and being all powerful. So I think as we talk through these four things, it's so important to go to the positive, right? And for Christians yes. to be able to build a case for why they believe um, they have all the answers. We just can't always articulate it. And yet we need to, we need to be able to settle those things in our own minds or we might leave ourselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, Rich, I wanted to ask you, so on that prophecy authority thing, what did you find that Mormons very often most misunderstood about how Christians looked at or understood the authority and prophecy? Great question. I'll start with the prophecy one. I actually think that Mormons often uh, um, confuse how Christians think about prophecy because Christians confuse how Christians think about prophecy. And let me specify that more. I don't mean prophecy. I mean the right. office of prophet. And that's actually a, an important distinction to make. Uh, even yes. Christians today have varying views on what prophecy looks like in the New Testament uh, as opposed to the old. But the office of prophet is the place that they're really have, have, uh, right. is, is the problem. That's the question mm -hmm. mark. And so Christians would do well to realize we do not reject a living prophet today. We do today have a human living prophet today we do and it's yeah. jesus and yes. that's what's so beautiful and so i remember early on i'd be around other evangelists and apologists we'd be standing on the street talking to people and it was a quick line to say well christians we don't have a prophet today we don't need a prophet because we have jesus and i, I know what they meant but really they should be saying of course we have a prophet just like always and his name is jesus but you can have one so you can either has, have Jesus as your prophet, your mediator, your representative between God and man, your or you can priest. have a man. That's right. You can have mm -hmm. one. And so I would try to walk through with people and start with the Old Testament and explain that in the Old Testament, there was a limited giving of the spirit of God. And so it was very common yeah. for there to be a singular office of prophet. And when that person would die, he'd pass on his the spirit of prophecy, like Elijah to Elisha. Um, mm -hmm. God gave Saul the ability to prophesy, counted amongst the prophets somehow. And uh, he takes that spirit from Saul and gives it to David uh, as it passes down. And so if you were looking to relate to God, you'd go find the singular prophet in the land or in your region during that day in the Old Testament. But in Acts chapter 2, we see Peter tell us that in the last days, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Something dramatically changed about right. the nature of prophecy. And the singular office of prophet was passed to Jesus alone. And that's our Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Long yeah. ago, many times in various ways, our fathers spoke, uh, were spoken by the prophets. But in these last days, he speaks to us through his son, Jesus. And that is, I, I brought that up to my Mormon friends before, and they've never seen that verse or thought of it in that way. And I love exactly. to let the Bible say that. So you're yes. right, my Mormon friend. If you're looking for a prophet, you should look for a prophet, but you're looking too low. You need to look higher. For <laughs> he's, right. he's seated at the right hand of God. So that, that's what I try to help you see. That's, that's fantastic. It's so helpful. And it's such a good, and again, it's like Lynn was saying earlier, what we need to do is find the positive of what the biblical 
point has, it's not so much about making the LDS faith look bad or putting it down so much as this saying, you care about what's important. You, you want the superior religious position. You want the superior, the highest possible faith position. Well, have you ever considered Christianity's position on this? Because actually, I think that Christianity's position is actually superior. It'll give you something higher to understand and believe and apply in your life. And I think so often we, we allow ourselves to get pushed into the defensive where we feel like we almost have to mock and ridicule and put down, and not just Mormonism, any other faith. I find this often because I teach a lot, not just on Mormonism, but on different world religions and helping people. How do you engage with somebody from another faith without fear, without debate? Um, how do you do that? Well, part of the way you do that is being secure enough and knowing your own faith enough that you don't have to put down somebody else's faith. You don't have to be afraid of it. You don't have to mock it. You don't have to find the most outrageous, scandalous thing about it and trot that out as this somehow disproves the whole thing. That's so disrespectful. And in some way, it's almost like so junior high-ish. I mean, that's, that's the way junior higher settle debates. Um, they find the most ridiculous thing about what you're saying, and then they trash that and okay, now over and done with. And we're just, we're called to so much better so anyway, I just, I love that ability to, to focus on that and bring out the positive and just say, here, consider this. This is why I'm where I'm at. So I would say, do you want to know what the God of the Bible has to say about that? Right. Let's just yes. look at this on this topic. And then they're, they're very intelligent people. I literally will open the Bible and, and ask them to read it out loud and then ask them what they think, because you're exactly right, <laughs> Pastor Rich. They've never seen those verses before, because the Mormon church is not going to emphasize the verses in the Bible that don't support Mormon doctrine. And so um, those can be really impactful. And Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 is one of those. The yeah. other one on this topic before we move in that was impactful for me was that whole idea that there's only one mediator between man and God, and that's the man Christ Jesus. Well, yes. wait a minute, I don't need a prophet and a bishop and a I don't need a man <laughs> to sit in that position. And how would that work? Right. And so, well, and of course, in, in Mormonism, I was only allowed to get an answer from God. Okay. I could pray to God, but I could only get revelation on anything that I had stewardship over. Right. So if I'm a mom, God could tell me something about my kids or raising my kids or my calling or somebody else related to me and my calling. But yeah. I couldn't like get a word for my husband or I, there's always a hierarchy in Mormonism. So this idea that there's just one mediator and every lowly person can go to this one mediator might be able to get an answer from that person on anything. Well, the Bible even says that sometimes um, you can get a word from another believer, right? Uh, right. Like, whoa, you mean this person doesn't have to be like ordained of God? That's mind. That was mind blowing to me and actually a wonderful thing, right? That God could love me enough to speak right to me about things, maybe even outside of what I might have stewardship over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Rich, um, 
what was the fourth one? So we've kind of looked at Trinity. We've looked at a bit on authority, the office of prophet prophecy. What was the fourth one? Yeah. So, so the, the third one we didn't really cover was authority itself, priesthood authority, and oh, the loss yes. of that in the great apostasy. That actually ends up being a major one. Uh, the fourth one, though, is the nature of grace. Uh, the, the Mormon uh, concern is a right concern. It's actually a concern that Paul articulates in Romans, that people charge against him that he wants this cheap grace. Ah, why not go on sinning that grace may abound? By yeah. no means. He said that we should never be held accountable to that kind of life. Don't let that be true about us. So it, it's understandable that if somebody thinks we're okay with a profession of faith and then living like you hate God is okay, uh, they should be upset about that. That's not yeah. what the Bible teaches us. And so we believe that we are saved by grace through faith, but that we have good works that come about. And so this is really important for us to spend time in. Um, and honestly, I actually think probably the most authoritative and helpful place to deal with this issue is James chapter two, which is okay. where my Mormon friends love to go to talk yeah. about the need for deeds in order to establish a person's faith. I, I love going there to try to help somebody. Well, Joel, we're at the end of another podcast. Can we address those last two issues in a third podcast? The issue of authority and the issue of grace and how they might differ between biblical faith and Mormonism? Yeah, I, if, if Rich has got time, I really think we should go ahead and do another segment on this. I would love to do that so we Let's can do cover it. those. Happy to. Okay. Yep. Happy, happy, happy. All right. So important. So important. Thank you, Lord. Well, once again, thanks for being with us on this podcast. And we're just delighted if it's been helpful. As always, we want to encourage you to share it. Um, leave us a reviewer rating. And just remember, you can find all of our episodes on the unveilinggracepodcast.com on our website, as well as, you know, if you look for Unveiling Grace Podcast on iTunes or on Google Play or Spotify, you're going to find it there. So thanks for being with us in another episode. Pastor Rich, thank you so much for being with us. Mm, thank you so much. And here. we're excited to uh, address the last two topics. May God bless you, grace and peace. Until next time. So long. Thank you for listening to the Unveiling Grace podcast. Join us next time for another conversation devoted to helping your life and relationships flourish. As always, you can find show notes, program transcripts, and leave us your comments and questions at unveilinggracepodcast.com. For a limited time, we are offering the Wilder's book, Seven Reasons We Left Mormonism, for a donation of any amount. Go to unveilinggracepodcast.com and click on the free book button to request yours. We greatly appreciate your support for the Unveiling Grace podcast, where you can experience a grace that heals. Mm -hmm.